Welcome to a Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the consecration to St. Joseph. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today is day 31. We continue our journey today by looking at St. Joseph as the terror of demons. It's an awesome title. Hopefully, as you've been going along in the litany, you've uh, had your attention peaked and uh, your curiosity sparked and wondering, what is this about? Because it is so cool. So we're going to look at it, especially from a biblical perspective. How do we know that St. Joseph truly terrorizes demons? Well, if you're ready, let's pray and so that we can dive in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle on them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. An act of consecration to St. Joseph. I consecrate myself to you, good St. Joseph, as my spiritual father. I choose you to rule my soul and to teach me the interior life, the life hidden away with Jesus, Mary, and yourself. Above all, I want to imitate the humble silence with which you shrouded Jesus, Mary, and yourself, and even your own happiness. For me, everything lies in that. Total abnegation like our Lord in his hidden life, making the world forget me by my silence and my practice of the common life. I consecrate myself to you as my guide and model in all my duties, so that I may learn to fulfill them with meekness and humility, with meekness toward my brethren, my neighbor, and all with whom I come in contact, with humility toward myself and simplicity before God. I choose you, good saint, as my counselor, my confidant, my protector, and all my difficulties and trials. I do ask to be spared crosses and sufferings, but only from self-love, which might vitiate their value by making me vain over them. I shall honor and love and serve you with Mary, my mother. Never shall I separate her name from yours in my love. Gladly would I be like you, St. Joseph, a poor carpenter, unknown and despised, food for the roots of the tree, the master's gardener who never leaves the garden, who knows nothing but his plants, who loves only his flowers and sees only their fruits and dies in the corner of his hut in the arms of Jesus and Mary. We do not know the place of your burial, so we cannot honor your remains. You leave behind you only your mantle of poverty and humility. O Jesus, give me Joseph for a father, as you have given me Mary as a mother. Fill me with devotion, confidence, and filial love. Listen to my prayer, please. I know that you will. Already I feel more devout, more full of hope and confidence in good St. Joseph, your foster father and my adopted father. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. Great to be with you on this day 31, where at this point, really, we have two days remaining after this one. And so it's it's getting close, and it's also intensifying. This title of Joseph being terror of demons is... So awesome and good that we would give it its due that I'm going to save the very last paragraph of our St. Peter Julian Amard act of consecration to tomorrow. So we'll finish off that reflection on each of the different parts of that consecration prayer 
And today we're just going to focus on what it means that we can call Joseph a terror, a terrorizer of demons. Not something to laugh at, but it's incredible. Joseph having a power and authority in the way that he truly sends chills down the spines, so to speak, of demons. Where does this come from though? Right? This title, like Joseph doesn't have any interaction with demons that we know in scripture. And so what is this all about? Is this just another thing that kind of came through a mystic or a devotion or something? I think we have great biblical roots and I wanted to dive into them today. And it has to do with the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus, this promised birth of a savior, of a Messiah, in a way that the great spiritual battle that has been raging from the very beginning of the fall would have culminated in the moment of the incarnation. And Joseph has an incredibly essential part to play. So we'll go to Matthew's gospel, chapter one, verses 18 to 23. Remember, we looked at this when looking at Joseph separating from Mary, but there's another really important term there that we need to focus on. So before they came together, Mary was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to send her away quietly. This word, unwilling to put her to shame, also has this connotation of unveiling the mystery, right? Unwilling to unveil the mystery. So think of what a veil does. On the one hand, it hides the content, veils, but it also protects. So it, it hides and it, it protects the, the mystery. What is the mystery? Well, in a very essential way, it is the mystery of the virgin conception, the virgin birth of Jesus, and that Mary, being this Ark of the Covenant, carrying divinity within herself, that Joseph is unwilling to reveal, unveil this mystery. Why? Maybe a lot of reasons, right? And we could think about on a natural level that this would be something that as personal, as private, you wouldn't want your neighbors to know, or you wouldn't want the larger community community to know. They might be talking about it, gossiping about it, speculating what, what's happening. But I would ask, who else should not know about this, this mystery? Satan. Of course, right? Satan should not know about this mystery in a way that he would need to be veiled from it. Why is Where'd that come from? He's not mentioned in this text. Well, he would have known. He would have known, right? At the very end of this section, Matthew says, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, we know him as Isaiah, that behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Who knows scripture? Well, Scripture scholars, <laughs> prophets know it, uh, priests know it, rabbis know it. Also, demons know scripture. We know this from Jesus going to battle with Satan in the desert, that Satan knows scripture. He probably knows it better than you and me. Okay, what does that mean? So Satan would have known this prophecy coming from Isaiah about a virgin conceiving and bearing a son who will be God with us. Um. 
take this with a grain of salt. If you were a demon, would, would you not want to be on the lookout for this virgin who will conceive God with us? Of course. And so that you would be on the prowl like a roaring lion looking for a virgin to devour with reference to first Peter. So in this very real way that a virgin conceives, Joseph's role is now crucial for this virgin to conceive and bear a son needs to be protected. How do you protect a virgin? Well, you would not want her to be without a spouse because without a husband, all of a sudden a virgin having a, having a child without a father gives a huge alert. (laughs) And so that the angel comes to Joseph and says, don't be afraid, Joseph, son of David, to take Mary, your wife into your home, that through a real marriage, Joseph brings Mary, this virgin, into this relationship that now veils her, that Mary in the mystery that she is and that she contains that is Emmanuel is able to be protected by Joseph. Think about um, protection, that word broken down in Latin is beautiful. The root word is tectus, which means roof. So um, usually roofs are above us, right? But this prefix pro actually means before. So to protect means a roof before us. And so to think about this is a shield, right? That Joseph as a protector, he is a shield, one who not only protects what's behind the shield, but also is on the attack against any enemy, any adversary. This is so important, right? And the connection is not just historical, but it's spiritual too. For this mystery was unveiled. And in a powerful way through John's mystical revelations in the book of the apocalypse or the revelation, chapter 12, we get this insight into truly the mystery, the glorious mystery that Mary and Jesus are. So this is Revelations chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child and cried out in her pangs of birth and anguish for delivery. Pause. Who is this woman? Well, as it's connected with verse 5, that she brought forth a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, we know that this is Mary. And with John's book of Revelation, all of these images are also layered in meaning. And so this also represents the church in a very real way, in the new Israel, right? But we know because this woman who is crowned is the queen mother, Mary. And we know that that she would give birth to this royal son makes an even more explicit reference that this has everything to do with Mary and her birth of Jesus. Why is this important? Well, because of the verses that come right after this proclamation, there she is. There's the queen mother about to give birth. Verse 3, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems upon his heads. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. 
And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child, that he might devour her child when she brought it forth. So, pause. This is Revelation 12, 1 to 5. Um, we see here the revelation of the mystery that as Mary was given birth, the devil, Satan, was looking for her to devour, her son to devour. And it is this great epic battle between light and darkness, good and evil, right? That we have its culmination in this virgin birth. So even though Satan is never mentioned explicitly in the birth of the nativity stories, we know that he was there. How can we know this? Well, this goes all the way back, right? In anticipation to the proto-gospel in Genesis 3.15, where God says to the serpent that I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And even in this idea of um, you um, trying to grasp at her heel and she crushing your head. This is why Mary is always depicted in the statues as crushing Satan's head. So Satan from the very beginning has been looking for this woman, knowing that it's through her that his destruction will come. How does this happen? Well, it comes through this protection. Verse 6 of Revelation chapter 12 says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God in which to be nourished for 1,260 days. You know who isn't mentioned here? Joseph. And yet, I think we have every reason to see him in this role. In a way that in his silent, humble service, he is this protection. He is this place prepared by God under his cloak, under his shield, to be able to protect Mary, to be able to protect the royal son, to be able to bring in the kingdom and the downfall of the kingdom of Satan. And just so that this can come like even closer to heart, right? Just so that we know the demons know who Jesus is, that they are looking for him. They are on the attack. And so that Joseph has this very real role in protecting him is so important. Think to whenever Jesus comes in onto the scene in Mark's gospel in his public ministry. There's this great irony as Mark portrays it that no one knows who Jesus is except for one group of people, the demons. All of Jesus's exorcisms come with this response from the demons to say, we know who you are, the Holy One of God, which is just frightening, right? On the one hand, it's like, how do they know that? Because in the text, it doesn't seem like they've ever met before. And yet they know who Jesus is. How do they know him? Well, somewhat of a speculative answer is that this speaks to the pre-existence of Jesus. That even before creation came into being, Jesus is. That he is the one through whom all things come into being. And that even in the creation of things visible and invisible, the angels were given every opportunity to know God, to worship him. And then in this moment of creation, moment, I'll put that in air quotes, this moment of creation in eternity, the angels were given this opportunity to continue to serve and worship God or to reject him. 
And this is where the speculation by a lot of church fathers is that whenever Lucifer saw God's plan for salvation, that it would come through God taking on our humanity, especially through the woman, Mary, and that she would be elevated to be the queen mother, the highest in heaven, even above the angels. He said to God, non serviam, I will not serve. I will not obey. I will not accept this plan of salvation. And he, as Revelation says, sweeping with his tail, took a third of heaven down with him. That the demons know who Jesus is. Of course they do. Because in a definitive moment, they rejected him. They said, I will not serve. And so they are now prowling like a roaring lion, seeking to devour souls. Joseph comes on the scene as one to truly do battle, to protect God's plan for salvation that through Mary, the new Eve, through Jesus, the new Adam, an undoing of the disobedience of Adam and Eve can be brought with great life and salvation. Okay, how else did Joseph protect the virgin child? There's this great reference in our readings today about the Venerable Mary of Agreda, who has the vision of whenever Joseph protects Mary and Jesus from the slaughter of the innocents, Herod and all of his great evil and wickedness comes to wipe out all the children two years old and younger. Joseph is able to save the Savior and bring the divine child into Egypt. And Mary of Agreda says this, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph pursued their way through many towns of Egypt, driving out the demons, not only from idols, but out of many bodies of who were possessed by them, curing many that were grievously and dangerously ill. End quote. So even in this, in, in the sorrow of the slaughter of those innocents, there was the great victory of Jesus coming into Egypt and driving out all of the false gods, all of the demons throughout all of Egypt. So beautiful, right? Not in scripture, but we can only imagine as we know God had to rip his people Israel out of the heart of all of the false worship of these false gods that Jesus comes to do definitive victory there. I want to close with this and it's highlighted by Father Calloway in his readings, but just to look at some of the essence of who Joseph is and why demons would be terrorized by him. Why? Why would demons flee from Joseph? Here are four quick reasons. First of all, Joseph's humility, besides Mary, is unparalleled. His humility that he seeks the lowest place, his protection is even hidden in Revelations in Matthew, that we, he doesn't even get the credit that is due. It's in his silence that he just takes the lowest place in the background. But it's actually in this that he's able to do the greatest victory, the greatest battle. St. Peter Julian Amard in our consecration prayer talks about shrouding Mary and Jesus with silence. This shrouding is truly an active battle to protect Mary and Jesus. I'm thinking about some of the exorcists that I've talked to about the saints that will come and be most effective against demons, against these people who are possessed by demons. 
And it's interesting, right? Because maybe out of the people that we would think with these great virtues and these great uh, strength of characters, it seems like St. Therese who usher in the greatest havoc. Uh, Exorcist will say that she comes in with her roses just to beat the demons and they just scream in such horror and agony and pain because it's in her little way that she undoes the pride of Satan. Mary too, Exorcist will say, she doesn't even have to give a word, barely a glance. It's only a movement of her heart that set demons screaming, fleeing in horror. Why? Because her humility undoes the pride of Lucifer to to say, I will not serve. I will make myself a God. And it's in this that we see Joseph in his humility as being right behind Mary and the greatest of humble saints, not exalting himself, but exalting God, his savior. And it's in this that he truly is a terror to demons. The second is, is obedience. In opposition to Lucifer, who says, non serviam, Joseph's whole life is serviam. I will serve. I will obey. Dream after dream, apparition of angels coming to him, inviting him to flee, to go here, to do this. He wakes up and he obeys. He chooses to do not my will, but your will. And this, of course, totally undoes Lucifer and all of the demons who say, No, 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 not your will, God, but my will be done. Third, his purity, this willingness to love as God loves, that is selfless, it is generous, and it is sacrificial. This totally undoes what is demonic, that is lustful, that is objectifying, that is usurian, that I will grab whatever I can for my own gratification. This sends demons fleeing. Why? Because in purity of heart, we are able to usher in the very love that's in the heart of the Trinity. Joseph is always seen carrying a lily, which represents his purity, his own purity, but then that he is the guardian of the twofold virginity of Mary and Jesus. I love that Father Calloway talks about this lily, not as being wimpy, but as being heroic. And as a warrior, it's actually a spear to come and to slay the dragon. The fourth reason why demons would flee from Joseph is his courage, his strength, his true willingness to stand up to those moments of fear. Just thinking about like this in particular, about how the evil one loves to play on our fear, loves to play on these moments in our lives whenever we're out of control, whenever things, oppositions come up against us and we can be given this opportunity to stand up to the reality, to accept it as it is, even in the face of fear or to cripple. And this is where the evil one comes in. And I just think about in our world today about how the evil one is having a field day with our fears and whispering these lies. He is, he is the father of lies, as scripture calls him. He's also the accuser of our brothers. What does that sound like? That the evil one in the face of our fears would come in and accuse us. Accuse us of these different moments in the past where we've fell, we've fallen, as opposed to standing strong in integrity and um, in courage. Or these different lies to be able to say, you don't really have what it takes. 
no way could you actually do this. No way could you actually be faithful all the way through. No way could you actually overcome this adversity. Or it goes back to the garden. It's the serpent sowing these lies into Eve's ear. Did God really tell you that you can't eat of any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say that you would die? All the while sowing these lies of fear against God, against his goodness, against his plan for our flourishing. And this is where St. Joseph, in all of the different moments of fear, and he had many moments, opportunities in his life to give in to fear, to give in to the lies that were coming against him. He stood up with courage. And what does that mean? I would propose it means accepting reality as it comes. This acceptance of the difficulty, right? And it's in that that he ushers in an openness to God's grace, to his mercy, working through unlike ever before. We could really use this, huh? In all the ways in our world today that we don't want to accept reality, that we want to just dismiss it, get it away, or find another way, or maybe just even to like cripple, be crippled by anxiety and fear in our own homes and not, and not face the reality as it is. And here our Lord, through St. Joseph, is inviting us to accept this is the opportunity for salvation. This is the opportunity to trust and to truly take down the attacks of the evil one coming against us, wanting us to be just folded, crippled in fear. So where in your life do you need St. Joseph What are the battles that you have going on in your life, maybe that are very evident or maybe that no one knows about, that are just the battles in in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own life? And where can you invite Joseph in to be this terror of demons and all of his virtues and all the ways that he wants to protect you, to veil the mystery that is Christ in you and to allow that to come to the fullness of fulfillment? So let's turn in prayer then to our Lord, praying this litany of St. Joseph. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Holy Mary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Noble offspring of David, pray for us. Light of patriarchs, pray for us. Spouse of the Mother of God, pray for us. Chaste guardian of the Virgin, pray for us. Foster father of the Son of God, pray for us. Zealous defender of Christ, pray for us. Head of the Holy Family, pray for us. Joseph most just, pray for us. Joseph most chaste, pray for us. Joseph most prudent, pray for us. Joseph most courageous, pray for us. Joseph most obedient, pray for us. Joseph most faithful, pray for us. Mirror of patience, pray for us. Lover of poverty, pray for us. Model of workmen, pray for us. Glory of domestic life, pray for us. Guardian of virgins, pray for us. 
pillar of families, pray for us. Comfort of the afflicted, pray for us. Hope of the sick, pray for us. Patron of the dying, pray for us. Terror of demons, pray for us. Protector of the Holy Church, pray for us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. He has made him Lord of his household and prince over all his possessions. Let us pray. O God, who in your loving providence chose blessed Joseph to be the spouse of your most holy mother, Grant us the favor of having him for our intercessor in heaven, whom on earth we venerate as our protector, you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, so good to be with you as we come closing in on this glorious consecration day. Just as a reminder, as we get closer to consider really making a point of first, making a good act of um, a, a good confession as thorough as possible, just to bring it all to the Lord. If it's been a while or if it's um, been a really long time, to bring it all to the Lord so that we can be ready to make this entrustment to Jesus through Joseph. Second, to take some time to write out our, our consecration prayer. If you have one chosen from Father Calloway's book, the consecration prayer that I've been leading everybody through in these days, I'm including in the full description or details of this podcast video. So check that out if you'd like to copy that and make that your consecration prayer. Third, to find a mass for the Feast of St. Joseph to be able to go to and attend, especially if there's one that has a great image or statue of St. Joseph where after mass and reception of Holy Communion, you can go there and to pray the litany of St. Joseph and to pray the consecration prayer. Fourth and finally, to be able to find a way to celebrate. This is really important. As Catholics, sometimes we really know how to fast and to do penance, but we forget how to really celebrate and to make it a point to bring in and to give thanks and glory to God for these great gifts. And it's in two days that we give God great thanks for the gift of St. Joseph and that deeper relationship and that growing devotion. Well, if you have any questions, please leave me a, a comment below. I'd be happy to answer any questions or concerns you might have. If you enjoyed this video, as always, I'd ask you to like it. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. If you'd like to support the work of Dry Bones Ministries or check out more about what's going on, check out the website at drybonespgh.org. Know that I'm praying for you every day, especially as we come closer to the end of this journey. Please pray for me and for one another. I look forward to being with you tomorrow. God bless you. And St. Joseph, pray for us.